How many are glad you're in a one God apostolic church today? The Lord is in this place. He's already answered prayer. We've had a great time. But we're going to turn to the book of Exodus and get into the word of the Lord. If you could stand with us. Chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, let's let's turn together. And here we have in this account, the children of Israel were led by Moses and they had been fed by miracle manna. They'd gone through the Red Sea and escaped Egypt. So they had been through uh, a great deal and the Red Sea had opened up and they had marched through. Now, when we come to Exodus 17, they have reached Rephidim, which is a desert area and desert conditions are now uh, strangling them and pushing them to the brink of death because they were uh, thirsting. Uh, without water, they could not survive. And that's when, once again, God steps in. Now, we're going to read only verse 5 and possibly 6. And the Lord, Exodus 17, 5, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee of the elders of Israel and thy rod. Everyone say thy rod. Wherewith thou smotest the river. Aha. Take in thine hand that rod, in other words, and go. Verse 6. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock. Everyone say There. I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it. I want to preach to you today from this subject, miracle waters. Miracle waters. And the Holy Ghost is in this place. Why don't you set your Bible aside and let's ask God to anoint the preacher and to anoint our hearts today. Father, we thank you right now for the Holy Ghost. We're in a desert generation. People all around us need water from you, Lord. And they need it now and they're desperate for it. Help us to believe it, O God. And help us, Lord, to reach out and believe that the thirsty can be filled with the miracle waters of heaven. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for being here in the uh, last Sunday of July and making this a very, a very special service. So many things happening. We're excited. You know, it used to be when, when uh, we'd come on a Sunday in, in the summer, we wouldn't know if there'd be, you know, who'd be here. But here we are seeing the Lord blessing and reaching, and uh, we serve a mighty God. Can you say amen? So it is no easier today for people to believe the miraculous than it was for Moses' day. And I'm talking about miracle waters that come from God. So it was in the days of Moses, it is true today. They needed, in fact, to experience a God who could do anything. With God, the Bible tells us all things are possible. 
And I'm speaking to some people today that do not believe that. You don't believe it at all. You believe man controls it all and most religions in people's heads. That's what you think. But it is not so. God is real and with God all things are possible. And there are people here today that do believe that and they are going to make a difference because they trust in a God that cannot fail. The Israelites were coming the Bible tells us here in the Exodus, I'm trying to fill you in here. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Don't get starchy on me here. I don't need a bunch of starch. You put the starch in your clothes. Don't put it in the service. All right, so they, they, they were coming to what we will call, what I will refer to as the Holy Mount. Now, I know most of you are very deep Bible scholars. You know what Mount Horeb is, but I'm still going to mention it. All right, just in case there's a few that would like to have a better understanding. We might say that they were coming to the Holy Mountain for the very first time. In other words, they were entering into this period of time in which they were trying to get to the Promised Land and uh, they come to Mount Horeb. And it's the very first time they'll come back because everyone knows, of course, that Mount Horeb is a secondary name for a great mountain called Mount Sinai, sometimes referred to as Horeb. And, of course, both words have different meanings and therefore different reasons for using them. So the place, of course, is where God spoke to them in the thunder and the lightning. God is able to do great things and he can speak to us any way he chooses. Now, the devil wants you to believe that God has to pat you on the back and I don't like religion that's too emotional and nobody can tell me what to do. But let me tell you, my friend, you don't tell God what to do. God is in charge. And when he says, I'm going to speak to you through the thunder, then he does so. And that's what he did to Israel that day at Mount Sinai. Of course, I'm ahead of myself. I'm not preaching Mount Sinai. I'm preaching Mount Horeb. So some of you may be experiencing the power of God yourself for the very first time. Because they've come to Horeb and here at Horeb, God is teaching us a great lesson. Many in the wilderness generation are seeking today, searching and sighing, but they know not for what they are seeking. They're hungry. They want something from God. They're wanting an answer, but they don't know where to find it or how to find it. And so we look here to Mount Horeb. We, like Moses, are led to the mountain of God. We come into the very presence of God. Now, I know lots of churches don't get loud and they don't jump up and down. They don't shout. Although I was talking to a Baptist yesterday and he was telling me that they just shout all the time. A Baptist preacher told me that. I said, well, you're the kind of Baptist church I like to visit. <laughs> I don't mean this. This is nothing about Baptists. It just That's what he told me. And I said, I want to shake your hand because you're the first one I've talked to. Most of, my, most of the ones I've talked to lately said, oh, well, we, we, we don't want to get too emotional around here. Which is their prerogative. But it's also my prerogative if I'd like to get a little bit emotional once in a while. That's my prerogative. I believe that worship ought to come from the depth of your soul. And when you come to the mount of God, you should do it. You shouldn't come to the mountain of God like you do your television set. That is not what God is. You're not watching God. God is watching you. And so you come to the mountain of God. So naysayers are all about us. And God has brought 
a generation like Moses. Here we are today. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about church right now. I'm talking about God delivering you under his mighty hand. I'm talking about God's way to reach you. It seems impossible. You say, it'll never happen. But God knows your number, see. He knows exactly how to reach you. And Lord, I'm not suggesting don't put anybody under any constraints because I'm preaching this today, Lord. Thy will be done. I'm not asking you to put any constraints on anyone. I'm simply saying that God is able to do it. And if your heart is hungry, he's going to show you. So God says to Moses, I've given you that rod that's in your hand. Uh, And in front of the elders and the entire church, I want you, we read this in verse 5, I want you to show this people that I am the God of the miraculous. Does anybody feel a miracle coming on in your life? Does anybody understand what I'm... If just three or four people say, I think I'm getting what you're saying, Pastor. I think I'm understanding that God wants to do... You know, it's amazing to me that we want to know what the movie stars think and we want to know what the, if the basketball's going to go through the basket or not. We've got, we're so intent on it. But when God speaks, we're ho-hum. That's the kind of day we live in. You talk about a desert. We have come into Raphadim. We have entered into a place as, an, as not only a nation but as a world where there are people hungering and thirsting and they know not where to turn. But I tell you, God has put something in our hands. God has directed us where he wants us to go. And I want you to show the people that I am the God of the miraculous. Not for greed and for gain. Not because some preacher is going to make some money or somebody's going to get on the television and tell us how great they are. But miracle power comes for the dying and the thirsty. And God is here today to meet the need. God is able and willing and he is here. So Apostolic Tabernacle, here we stand today. Just like Moses stood then. We serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? Anybody believe that? Yesterday, today, and forever. We may be in a special time. We may be in a particular moment. My heart may be grieving because I've lost someone that I dearly love. But he has brought us here nonetheless. He has brought us to Rephidim. And he is the same God yesterday and today. He brought us here. He brought us through the sea by parting the water. (laughs) Anybody been there know what I'm talking about? He brought us out. He brought us from the depths of sin and brought us through the Red Sea. He parted the waters. Think of what a miracle that is. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to be praising God. He parted the water and it's piling up like walls on each side of us. And he took us through the water. I'm talking about miracle waters. We're talking about a God. I'm having faith right now someone needs an answer from God and God's going to give it to you I don't want to be in the way of you getting it well he's too emotional or he's too tall or whatever it is it's going to keep you from from it but I want to suggest you you need to stop thinking that anybody can get between you and what God has for you the devil cannot stop you You say, well, I'm too great of a sinner. No, you're not. You can get through because God can do the impossible. 
And when you get to the sea, he can move the water out of the way. I feel somebody getting ready to step forward. And God's going to move everything out of your way. Miracle waters because it's what God desires in a world that's dry. And, and men and women thirsting for heaven. He took us through the water. And may I add to this that there is nothing like stepping into the waters of baptism and going down and being buried in the name of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more awesome. Some preacher told me years ago, I, I wanted to get baptized. And he said, oh, the water, that, that's no. And, and I said, well, it's, you're supposed to be baptized in the name of you. Wash your sins away. And the Bible said so. And I showed several scriptures. I highly, res sounds like I'm disrespecting the man. I highly respected him. And I'm going to slow down and, and sound like I'm respecting him. And I said, the Bible I had run to him with Acts 22, 16, which says, arise and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And he had told me that you couldn't. He had just told me the week before that uh, sin, uh, baptism can't wash sins away. And I said, but the, it does appear the Bible and wash away thy sins. I mean, it just, just appears. And I, I know Greek, and he knew Greek. He was a pretty, uh, pretty smart pastor. And uh, I said, he said, well, now that you've discovered that scripture, let me explain it to you. And I said, yes, please do, because I just would like to be baptized. And I'd already been baptized. I wanted to be baptized in Jesus' name. And he said, Talmadge, if water could wash your sins away, it would kill every fish in the lake. That's what he said. And, of course, I said, well, I'm not that bad of a sinner. I, I don't think you're going to need to worry about it. But he, he, he was worried about it. And, and, and I do respect him. I'm, I know that was odd, and I told you that. for I thought maybe you'd find that interesting. Uh, and, and I said, well, we don't have to go to a lake. I tried everything. I said, we, we have a baptistry right here in this church. You could baptize me right here. And we, what we were doing was we were uh, tiptoeing around whether or not I should slip. He was telling me, well, you know, I said, well, for example, he said, you don't, should never get rebaptized. And I said, what if I had been sprinkled as a baby? Because I knew he baptized people all the time that were sprinkled as babies. And he would say, that's not proper baptism so I, I'm going to baptize you in the I'm going to immerse you in the water so I brought that up and I said well you know last week you know the, the sister who had only been sprinkled as a child and she felt in her heart she should be baptized and you rebaptized her he said that's true so I'm encouraging someone here today to recognize that when Jesus said, you must be born of the water and the spirit. This is your day. There's no reason for you not to step in. Because God is not only making a path for you. Those waters are going to change your life forever. Hallelujah. There's something about the Holy Ghost. There's something about the power of God. And there's something about the name of our God. Let me tell you, my friend, there's no other name under heaven like the name of Jesus Christ. There is no greater name. All right. Now, Bishop Cole was here 52 years. I preached yesterday, and I just about... <laughs> so just I'm just saying that so you'll feel sorry for me. But anyway. 
We mentioned there that Brother Cole wanted to be at that service, and he most certainly did. He talked about it, and he would have been there. I'm certain of that. So for 52 years, and of course 44 of them uh, were years uh, before we arrived here, and then we met him. Uh, <clears throat> well, we knew him, but I mean, we met with him. He asked us to meet with him, eight, uh, well, seven years ago, and uh, over seven years ago, and that's when he said, uh, you're, you're coming to Atlanta. That's basically what he said. And, uh, and of course, I was stunned, and but nothing like a man of God that has heard from heaven. And so God has taken our bishop home. He has uh, brought him in on angels' wings to heaven's bright shores. And I wouldn't bring him back for all of earth's riches. I am so glad he is there, but I do miss him. I miss him greatly, and I have said to the Lord, and I, I'm going to get past this. Lord, this is not what I wanted. It is not what I would have willed, but not my will, Lord. You know what is best. He's gone to a place where there's no pain or suffering. There's no sickness, and there's no death. That's where he's at. Yes, heaven is real, my friend. But God, while well, he had a plan for Bishop his whole life, he lived every day of his life. That's why he was so loved. We had nearly, I mean, I don't want to over-exaggerate it, but we had way over 1,000 people in this building uh, and, and closer to 1,600 people that came through this building and then were at the service to honor a man whose life was all about heaven and now he's there. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for our heritage and our bishop. I wish Sister uh, Cole could hear this. And she will. She'll be back. She'll get to hear it. She'll be here tonight. So heaven is real. Now, friend, you must realize that the God that could make something as awesome as earth, which is flawed and, and uh, has deserts and all the dryness and all the troubles that we're facing down here, made a heaven that has none of these problems whatsoever. That same God prepared us. I mean by that, got us ready. He prepared us by bringing us, and I mean this spiritually, through the Red Sea and demonstrating his power. You know, there used to be a day when I was a sinner without God. I didn't have the spirit. I didn't know God. My family didn't know God. My Folks didn't know God. Between the two of them, they smoked eight packs of cigarettes a day. They, they didn't know God. They didn't know what to do with their lives. But thank God today we're not in that same place. Both of them in their 80s and dad now in his 90s have received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and their lives are changed. He brought us through the sea and he demonstrated his power. Sister French and I started our eighth year in Jonesboro, one day after we buried our bishop. So I felt extremely, uh, if you wonder what your pastor's doing, uh, besides pastoring, I, I sat there and I said, Lord, this is not a coincidence. That 
we have buried this great man on this day. And tomorrow morning, and that happened to be a Sunday. It was last Sunday. Many of you were here, if not most of you were here. And we walked into this service. I may have even mentioned it. We began that very day. And though my heart was heavy, and I want to say this today, and everybody say, praise the Lord. Come on, preach with me a little bit. That God brought us to this place. He took us through the water, the miracle hand of God, bringing us where we are. God brought us here, Sister French. I thank God for seven exact years that our bishop was here. I drove into this city seven exact years ago, last Sunday. Drove into this city. Never lived here in my life. But Bishop said, God's bringing you to Atlanta. And I want to tell you something. There's power in the gospel that changes everything. So here we stand, like Moses at Horeb. Let's just lift our hands and give him a little bit of praise here. Come on, come on. We, we, we don't need to be all stuffy. Let's just lift our hands. Father, here we are like Moses. Here we are. We've come to Horeb. Hallelujah. It may be a desert land all around, but we are not alone. Bishop may have gone to a better place. But we are not alone. We are not here by happenstance. We're not here because we came to this mountain. Without anything before it. We've come to this mountain. Because God has brought us here. God is going to do something powerful. In this city. The eighth year. Signifies revival. I'm going to prove it to you. But it also signifies anointing. God knows exactly what he's doing. For example, David was anointed king as a boy. He was no more a king than Humpty Dumpty was. If, he was a, if Humpty Dumpty was a king, I'm unaware of it. And he, David, was the eighth Son of Jesse. But God had prepared the eighth son years before he would ever reign over Israel. So it was that God let us see and know that as the oil ran down upon David's head, so it is that on the eighth year, it is that anointing comes down upon the church. There is something about the eighth year. Noah was the eighth person in the ark. The Bible says so. Second Peter 2.5. He was the eighth person. You could say, no, he was the first person. That's what I would have said. In fact, when the Lord was talking to me about it, I was kind of fussing with the Lord about it. But Lord, wouldn't he be the first person? Shut up. I said he's the eighth. And I'll tell you why. Because Noah wasn't getting on until the other seven were there. It was the eight that was critical. In other words, it signifies end time Revival. 
when the door is about to shut. The eighth year symbolizes, I'm not saying anything in terms of prophecy. I am saying that it signifies revival and anointing when the door is about to shut. Somebody in this building ought to say, thank you, Jesus, for the miracle waters that you bring to us. So what do you do when you live in desert times? When your bishop has gone on and God is saying, hold on, church, hold on. We've had two people shot and killed in this city that we baptized in the last eight months. Two of them. I am angry at the devil and I am angry at sin that would say you can kill our children and there's nothing to be done. I say to this church today, there's more power in the gospel than any gun you can shoot. We've got a God that is bigger than your attitude. You can kill us, but you cannot stop us. Oh, hallelujah. People are thirsting and they are parched. I wish I had an explanation for I wish I could say to the family. I wish I could say to the to the friends that call me and say, Reverend, we haven't met you, but they told us about it and how you baptized them and how they felt the Holy Ghost. And then I have to try to explain to them why somebody would walk into an office and blow uh, and, and kill someone. It's just absolutely impossible to explain. But we are not God. We do not have to explain what we have to do is stand on the rock. We have to be ready to stand up and have it abundantly clear that it is God that is doing it. God has the abundant supply that is so desperately, desperately needed as the door is closing. Someone said, well, if you preach like that, they're going to laugh at you and they're going to say you're stupid. And you're emotional and you're whatever they're going to say. They've, they've been saying that for years. They're not going to stop. The church needs to quit being intimidated. Church needs to quit being fearful. God has everything that we need in these desperate times. Did I want bishops right here? Yes, I did. I've told the Lord over and over. I wish wanted him to be. It, it, it's selfish, but just having him there as a support. I could say, Bishop, what I wanted to go run this by you. I love that, Brother French. I love that. I appreciate that so much. I thank God for the revival. I feel he told me just a couple nights before he passed. He said, I feel revival coming. That's what an 87-year-old bishop said. I feel revival coming. It's going to be different because God's church is going to get together. And we're not going to let the devil slow us down. I assure you, as amazing as it seems, water for the soul is in that rock that God told Moses to stand on. And that rock is Jesus. That rock is Jesus. Hallelujah. And he is here today. The Bible says in our chapter here, the very first verse of it, there was no water. Rephidim. Which is basically what Rephidim means. And there's no water and no spiritual hope in a world of sin that swirls about us. 
But God has prepared us for this generation. If we go to the rock as Moses, God said to Moses, I will stand before thee there upon the rock. Hallelujah. I'm going to stand before thee there upon the rock. And verse 5 says, Thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. You say, why are you going on? Because I had to get to this. So now I can, I can, we're about to say amen. I got it, got to it. I consider this a mighty thought that of all the times I've considered this story, I never picked up on it because I kept saying to myself, when did he smite the river? I mean, he smote the sea and I thought, and then I was looking up uh, the Hebrew word for river to see if it could ever mean uh, ocean or sea or something like that. And then my little feeble mind came across the early pages of just a few chapters over where the Bible says that God prepared them and he's prepared us. And when did Moses smite the river? When Pharaoh refused to let the people go. We all remember it because you probably remembered it a long time ago. But that was the river. And the Bible said that when Pharaoh was so stubborn and he said, you'll never get them out of here. When he, Moses said, let my people go. God has said, let my people go. Moses picked that same rod up and he smote the river. That's why I'm telling you today, there are miracle waters. Anybody remember what happened to that river when he hit it? It started turning into blood. And you know what that did? The Nile River was the main source of all their hope. Every, every bit of their food, every bit of their crops, everything that they worshipped was dying in the blood of that river. I want to tell you something, my friend. God has more ways than one to demonstrate his power. And he said to Moses, when you stand on the rock, I'm going to stand with you there. Can we just clap our hands again? Let's thank God for it. We've been delivered. Hallelujah. We can stand upon that rock. Put our confidence in Jesus Christ to do exactly what he said he would do. There are rivers of living water pouring out of the rock. It's your miracle for the taking. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that thirst. And that's what he's inviting us to do today. I wonder if we could stand all across this sanctuary. Here we are just at the end of July. I know the summer goes into August, but most of our schools start within a week or two. So many people see that as the end of summer, which it, it doesn't seem hardly likely. Uh, seems like August is still summer. I don't care what the schools say. August is still summer to many of us. But I want us to gather in this altar and I want us to stand upon the rock. I want us to say to our bishop, Who's gone? I want us to come and let's. I, musicians are coming, but we don't have to wait on them. I wonder if we could just gather around the front. Let's just come together as a people. If you're a guest, I want you to come. Don't feel uh, we, we won't uh, we won't infringe on your 
uh, privacy. Just come and pray. How, or you can say right where you are. And we're going to gather together. And in a symbolic manner, we're going to stand on the rock. We're going to stand on the rock that Moses was commanded to smite. And God said, I'll be right there with you as you smite the rock. And water is going to pour out of that rock. And I want us to lift our hands. Just keep coming. Try to just come on down as much. uh, If you want to stay in the aisle, that's okay. But just make as much room. we got a good crowd for, for a July service. And so I want us to pray. Father, I want the Holy Ghost to fall in my family. I pray right now, Lord, that the waters of life will come forth from this revival, the eighth year, and allow the glory of God to come down. Can we lift that other hand now? Let's give him some praise, and let's go ahead and sing it. Oh, yes, hallelujah. Father, I pray for each one. Lord, as we gather in this altar, Lord, I feel the, the streams of living water. They're flowing at our feet. They've come forth from a a rock in a barren land where others are completely hopeless. But you have brought forth water unto life. So we come today. We thank you for it.